All right, we have um, been going through a series called Closer, uh, trying to get closer to God in various ways. And um, to this point, all of, our, all of our sermons have had a similar structure. They've always, all of them have been structured in, I'm going to end, yes, am I not on? Oh, okay. I even have less devices and I still didn't remember one. All right. By the way, there's not going to be a PowerPoint if you haven't noticed that. <clears throat> I was at uh, camp in the northern, the northern woods. That wasn't me. And uh, they haven't heard of the internet up there yet. So, <laughs> so um, our, our, our messages are, have been introduce a topic, kind of go through the, the theology of it or the history of it or the language of it in some way and then uh, and then look at how we actively do the task. How, how do we, we we conclude with <clears throat> how do I get closer to God in this area? And we're going to be looking at something from a different angle. And that is that we are going to look at and I have to be cautious of how I say this. So I'm going to say it and then explain it. All right. But looking at passive attributes, we like in our life, we, we tend to think of accomplishing things by doing something. If you don't do something, it, it, nothing gets done, right? You, you look at your house, and if you don't, you have a set. I talk, talked about the list, my wife's list, and, and if I don't do the things, they don't magically, I, I wake up. Uh, unless, you know, sometimes she does them. She gets sick and tired of it not being done. But, but someone's got to do it, right? I had a, a mass. I get, I get migraines every once in a while. And we were in Ukraine. And, and she, she did electrical work. I was, at which, over there, they have scary electrical. So I was like, well, the light switch works. Okay. So uh, I was like, well, that, that, I, I did not expect to wake up from, like, this three-day nap and, and, and have electrical in that room working. But it was. It's like, wow, that's pretty cool. But for the most part, what, when you leave a thing, it doesn't get better passively. That's, that's just not what we're used to. But, but we're going to be looking at things that, and some attributes that are somewhat passive, and bring us closer to God. And, and I know that, just, just bear with me through, through a couple of these sermons and you'll understand what, where I'm going. But it is strange for us to think that we can get closer to God by not doing. And sometimes our not doing takes us further. We're going to be giving some illustrations of this kind of throughout this series. And I struggle to not put my whole series into one sermon. So... Um, we are often under the impression that spirituality is active and manual. And, and to a large degree, it is. If I'm not doing a thing, I'm not getting closer to God. Why? Because I'm reading my Bible. That's doing a thing. I'm praying. That's spirituality. I'm, I'm mastering some temptation that I have. I'm, I'm developing a skill. I'm getting involved. I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing. And, and we are used to doing and doing and doing. And I don't want to suggest that doing is optional, that there's, that there's different kinds of spirituality. That Well, I can be a sit-in-the-pew spiritual guy, and, and this person is a guy that does all the stuff in the church. That, that's not what I'm saying. But there are aspects of our spirituality, uh, whether it be involvement or whatever, that, that are active. And they're probably more than the ones that aren't. But we do want to, to look at some different ones. So... Uh, 
If you, if you don't recognize some of the things on that list, by the way, they were the outline for our previous sermon. We talked about perfection, right? I'm reading the Bible, I'm praying. We talked about that, mastering a temptation, uh, being involved at church, speaking more about Jesus. Right? We, we, we talked about all these things about perfecting our faith, these different elements of our faith. So, so they're not optional. God requires us to perfect them and, and to go on towards perfection in these areas. But personal involvement, you know, we think of personal involvement. Personal involvement is not usually a passive thing. It's hard work. You get involved with a, a, a person. That, that takes hard work. You deal with personal issues and all sorts of things. We talk about hard work. Because a lot of Christianity is hard work. We immediately think of things, or you should... This will be a healthy thing for you to do. You should immediately think of all things that help you get rich quick as a scam. Because it is. Right? So, so when, when you think, wow, Andrew is telling me I can sit on my butt at home and be spiritual. That's, that's a scam. And that's not what I'm saying. Um, you know, uh, sit at home and eat Cheetos and lose weight. That's a scam. I'm telling you that's a scam. It's not going to work. It might sell a pill, but it's not going to work. It's a scam. That's not what I'm talking about. We are talking about faith today. You know? Some, there are elements of faith that are passive. I want to talk about an element of faith that is, or, or excuse me, there are, there are elements of faith that are, that are active. And we, a lot of times focus on the active aspect of that. Um, whenever we try to... Uh, get to a particular place when we are interpreting. In other words, we have an agenda. We have a place where we're going to in interpreting a scripture. We often end up doing great, great damage. I'll give you some illustrations of that. Um, you know, Calvinism, right? Calvinism was, John Calvin was trying to get to a place. He believed in, in uh, Augustine's works and he was trying to get there. And, and he did great Damage. Uh, another one is, uh, hit, hit, we, we've sung this song today. I, I like this translation of it, uh, but, uh, but I'll give you the original translation and see if you, uh, we sung a song by Fanny Crosby. Actually, we sung a bunch of songs by Fanny Crosby. Uh, but the original lyrics that she wrote, the, the vilest offender who truly believes, you heard that version of it? That moment... From Jesus, a pardon receives. Someone has changed those words. Because, because a faith-only doctrine came along and was trying to get somewhere and did great damage. That, that, that once saved, always saved. And actually, interestingly enough, uh, you know, a lot of these things get to this place where, you know... Uh, you, like works salvation. We talk about works salvation. Right? They're trying to avoid works salvation. Works salvation and Calvinism are kind of opposite, right? Yet they both get to the same place where people doubt their salvation. Did I do enough? Right? Have you ever heard the statement, like people will say they're on their deathbed, right? And, 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 and someone will say, I hope they repent, you know, before they die. Right? Or... or 
No, I hope they don't sin. What happens to a person that has like Alzheimer's? Did they repent before they, you know, lost their memory? Or, like, what now? They're, like they're in limbo. Right? There's this idea that we have to go through the list and make sure that we're good with the list at the last breath. That's a that's a works of salvation. And what what's the net result of that is that people doubt their salvation. Yet the, the, the John writes that that I write these things so that you may know. You shouldn't be doubting your salvation. John was of the opinion you should know your salvation. So, so if you have a doctrine that, that leads you to a point where you're not sure in your salvation, you've got to check your doctrine. You've probably believed something that someone was trying to get to a point in theology somewhere and did great damage. And interestingly enough, Calvinism, which is really the opposite of work salvation, gets to the same point. Calvinist, a, Cal, a true Calvinist person doubts their salvation. But wait a minute, Calvinism was designed to not doubt your covenant. Yes, but what happens if you backslide? Oh, then you were never saved. Well, what if you come back? Well, then you obviously were saved. And you, you backslide again. And all of a sudden, they don't know. Now they sit in a moment, and they go, maybe I'm not saved right now. And of course, according to Calvinism, if I'm not saved right now, I'm never going to be saved, because I can't be. So, so here's these two opposite doctrines that were, uh, that were out of an agenda that get to the same place. They do great damage. It's important for us to understand and, and, and try to be and, and try to understand what, what God wants. Not, not try to get to a point that I want. I want to look at Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, and you hear Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, no. Ephesians chapter 2, we're talking about faith and salvation. We're going to talk about a, 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 a different word here in a second. Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to, as, as I always say, this chapter is one large run-on sentence for the most part. We're just going to take an excerpt and we're probably going to jump right into the middle of a sentence. So I apologize for that, but, but I don't have time this morning to read the entire chapter. Uh, so we're in Ephesians chapter 2. Oops, went past it here. And we're going to be reading verses 8 through 10. He says, For it is by grace... Wow, look at that. A beginning of a sentence, sort of. For, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that man may boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do so. So you see there's an active element, right, in here. There is an active element. I don't, wanna, uh, I don't want to diminish that. But I want, uh, I want us to understand that many have misconstrued faith. And in trying to avoid the passive element, because we're, we're so concerned with, with the people that preached the wrong idea from Ephesians chapter 2, we, th there's this tendency for people to run to the opposite side and, and swing way over here and, and preach a work's salvation, and that's not accurate. We, we do end up having to be somewhere between the two extremes. And some have misconstrued faith. And have turned it into nothing more than an intellectual exercise. And that is a problem. 
And that is why someone read Fanny Crosby's words and decided it needed a word change. Because we're so used to the misuse of language, we're so used to the misuse of faith, that we're like, oh, what is that song saying? Now, maybe she intended that way. But I'm here to tell you that the moment, the absolute moment which you truly believe, you will receive pardon. Uh, some of you look scared. If we understand what true faith is, if we understand what true belief is, we would have no problem with that statement. But if we interpret this according to the way it's been misinterpreted by, by, by the, the, the world, the religious world around us, to mean nothing more than an intellectual acceptance of something, then yeah, that's wrong. It needs to be changed. So, so maybe it's good we change it and just let, let's not mess around with, with confusion. But I'm, I'm here to tell you that, that faith is so much more deeper than just simply accepting a piece of information as true. Oh, Jesus is a savior. That's good. That's a good place to start. That is not true faith. That is the beginning of faith. It is not true faith. It's not genuine. It's not all the way down in what God wants from faith. God wants so much more from faith. They've undermined it. This week, um, when we go up to, they have a tradition up at the camp where we go to, and that is to memorize a chapter. You memorize a chapter. You have to say the whole chapter. Or, for the kids, as many years as you are old. And at the end of the week, Alice, well, she's kind of turning it over because she's getting older, but uh, makes you a pie of your choice. Now, this is in the northern woods. So she comes prepared with all this stuff to make every kind of pie. And she's gotten really creative pies. These kids try to trick her. And she can make any pie. I, I, like, I don't know where she gets this stuff from. And so they work hard. She chose Hebrews 11. Now, the adults, you're not out, uh, which is good, I suppose, if you're like 75. You don't want to be like, okay, we're doing Psalms 119 or what, you know. Hebrews 11 has 40 verses. And we're not a lot of takers on that from the adults. There were a few adults that earned the pie. We're going to turn to Hebrews 11. Some interesting thoughts in here. We're not going to read the whole thing. But I want to begin the beginning. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Because God defines what he wants us to understand of faith. He says, now faith... Oh, I, don't like, I don't like this version. Faith is the evidence, or faith is the substance of things hoped for. Right? This is the, the version I memorized. The... Evidence of things not seen. That's Hebrews 11.1. 1. It is evidence and it is substance. For by this, the fathers were commended. Right? Or our ancients were commended. They received a good report, some versions say. It is not merely... An intellectual acceptance, but it has genuine substance. And he teaches it. And if you want to memorize Hebrews 11, there are some good, good tips. Uh, and so Katie actually did the whole thing. I didn't. Um, and, uh, and she has difficulty memorizing. So I, I went through. I said, here's some memory tips. 
I said, look at the pattern of Hebrews 11. Notice that each verse, almost, almost every verse has the same idea or set of verses. has the same idea. By faith, somebody did something. Right? There's that action portion. Because of something. <coughs> it is important for all those elements in faith. That, that there was a substance underneath. That there wasn't just by faith Abraham went. But by faith Abraham went. Why? He was looking for a better city. Right? All these different things that we go through and we look at these different passages. By faith Noah built. I mean, he was warned. And, and all these, there was substance. There was things that there, there, their actions were built upon. I don't want to focus on the actions. Uh, so often we focus on the actions, but I want to focus on the substance of what they were doing and why they were doing it. It is defined as assurance or confidence, first of all. It is not just a, a thought. I accept this idea. But it is confidence in something. I'll give you a, 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 I've used this illustration, but it works. It's not original. Someone shared it. There's a difference between knowing the ice is deep enough and crossing a river. Right? It's, the difference is confidence. See, see, one involved, oh yes, I believe that, right? I, I have an intellectual acceptance that probably the, it's been cold long enough and Know, however many inches it requires to support body weight, blah, blah, blah. Intellectual. But do you cross it? I crossed the Des Moines River, which was the stupidest thing I've ever done. <laughs> well, one of. One of. There's a long list of stupidest things I've ever done. That was dumb, but I made it across. So probably not confidence, probably just stupidity. But the concept of... You know, it's not, here's another one in that same illustration. It's not how much confidence you have. It's in what you have confidence in. It's that substance. If I have great confidence in the wrong thing, I'm, I'm going to end up at the same place as, you know, I, I'm not going to end up on the other side. Either way, I'm either staying over here or I'm at the bottom of the river. I've got to have confidence or assurance, and it has to be placed in the right thing. Something of substance. This is faith. And it requires a degree of passivity. It requires actions. Actions will reveal the quality. But it requires the quality. And the quality is just there. Now we, we read, as I said, throughout this passage, how the ancestors defined it. And God defines it through their actions and, and shows the observation. Right? Hebrews 11.7. I, I think I mentioned this, but uh, we'll look at it by faith. Noah, when warned about things not seen, built an ark. Right? By his faith, he condemned the world and saved his family. Then right after that, verse 8 through 10. <clears throat> by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place where he would later receive as an inheritance... Obeyed and went. So there were actions involved. <clears throat> we can't separate actions from faith. Genuine faith has both. 
And he left everything he knew. Think about that. Everything he left and family, because said, leave your family. And go to a place I'm going to show you. Like, he didn't have a map. Like, you're just going to wander around until I say stop. Like, okay. And he went. It's not merely intellectual. And this is the passive quality right here. It's called trust. Trust is not active. I mean, it produces an action. But trust is just there. You got it or you don't. I think this is the idea. When Jesus was asking man if he wanted to be healed, he said, do you, do you believe? And, and to us, it's one word. And he said, he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I, I think there's probably a colloquial understanding that, that doesn't come across in English. That he's saying, I believe up here, God, but it's not making it down here right now. This is what you need to help. You, you need to help that, that, that passive part that just trusts you. That's willing to go out on a limb. And you, you go back and, and look at how many people with limited resources spent and consumed their wealth on trying to fix something with these, you know, magic men and, and all these other things. And, and how hard that would be to put your trust one more time in this guy. This guy didn't look like those, those guys came in with funky hats and, you know, all the bells and whistles. They at least looked like something. This guy just came in. Like, what are you going to do this with? Just me. Do you trust that? Uh, I don't know that I trust that. I, I, I'm afraid to let myself go out on that limb one more time. I, I've, I've been let down so many times. And so I want to talk about this developing these elements of true faith. And we stay right in Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> in verse 13. He says, all the people were still living by faith. So all these people living by faith, right? This whole list. And by the way, at the end of the chapter, he goes, I, I don't have enough paper. I'm running out of paper, so I'm just going to condense and, and just kind of abbreviate some, some people and highlight them. The, the, also, the also list. These all were living in faith when they died. Well, that's good. What does it mean they were living in faith when they died? What is faith? How do you define faith? Well, it's, we've talked about some of it. But faith requires one thing. He tells us what it is here. Faith requires one element. Or one important element. I mean, it involves a lot. Without this one thing, you can't have faith. And that is... You don't see it. If you can see it, it's not faith. Right? If you can see it, it's not faith. You, you, you lose faith at that moment. So he says, these all die. This sounds like a great statement. 
These all died living in faith. Well, wow, that's awesome. It is awesome. But what he's saying is, they all died never, and he says that, never having seen the promise. We're used to the idea, well, if you just have faith, God's going to come through and you'll see it. Not always. Can you accept that? Can you accept the idea that you have faith and you might not be around to see it happen? We are so assured. and We're given the language of self-assurance and affirmation and all those words that, that if you just have faith, it'll happen and you'll see it. No, not true. These all died in faith. And what does it say about them? They received a good report. They got a good report. Why? Because it never happened. It never happened, and they still had trust. That's hard. Because we want, it, we want, we want the preacher to tell us that it's all going to be okay, and we're going to have what we want. If you just pray or, you know, do a little extra prayer or everybody prays or something, you will get it. No, not always. Sometimes. We want everything sewn up where I can see it and be happy with it. And God says, not always. Do you trust me? Now I'm I'm having some reservations, God. (laughs) I don't like this arrangement. I I was kind of under the expectation that I would see something. You might see some stuff, but you might not see other things. And that is the difficulty. We want to be greater. You want to be greater? Well, you got to. We, throughout the New Testament, Jesus affirms that numerous times that under Christianity, things would be greater. He says, to his apostles, he said, you're going to do greater things than me. Whoa. He said, he, he, he said you know, uh, he who's least in the kingdom is greater than John. There's this element of, of, of being greater. And, and going on. And improving on things. And not, not staying down here at fundamental level. God has an expert. We always go, you know, I wish I could live back then. And see Jesus. And Jesus said, there's something better than now. It's going to get better. We don't always think that. But there's a a higher level of relationship with God as it goes. We're going to look at exactly how that is. How do we get a greater degree even of faith? Well, in their case... It says they didn't see the ultimate thing that they were promised. That's, that's hard. I don't know if I can match that. How do I match somebody who trusts God to the end of their life and just trusts words and says, it's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen at some point. How do I, how do I best that? That's a, that's a tough act to follow. John chapter 20. John chapter 20. This is another one of those verses where where Jesus talks about this accelerating level, this increasing level of faith. 
John 20, <clears throat> excuse me, and verse 27 through 29. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Reach your hand. Put it in my side. Stop doubting. Believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, oh, you've seen. And so you believe. But blessed are those who have not seen and believed. This is, this is an increasing level of faith. And there's something throughout Hebrews. It, they, they, these are great lessons to learn from. But, but there's kind of like, there's one small detail that's missing. And we want to figure out how to be better in faith. That is in trust. He says, all these died not having received the promises. What did they have? They had promises. I mean specific promises. We have promises. But I don't always have promises. God doesn't always say, Andrew, I'll get up today and go do this thing. And, uh, and down the road, something good is going to happen. I, I don't get that. I've never gotten that. I don't even have promises all the time. And God says, you still got to trust me. How do, I don't even know what I'm trusting. Yeah, me. And that's the idea. So many of them, they showed great trust. They showed great faith. But ultimately, they were trusting in God and they were trusting God's words about a specific thing. In our case, sometimes we're just going to have to trust God. I don't even know what the end is. I don't even know what the thing he's doing. I, I, I talk frequently about Ukraine. We lived there for some years. And, and I don't know what God's doing. I don't have a promise. Andrew, just, uh, just wait about three years you won't be around to see, you know, God, I'm going to take you back. Well, whatever it is, I don't know. Down the road, I'm going to let Ukraine win. Okay, I can trust that. That would be a promise. I would love that promise. I don't have that promise. I don't know at all what God is doing there or why he's allowing. Or I can guess all day long. And maybe my guesses are right and maybe they're not. God says, trust me. You have nothing else to trust. You don't have a promise to trust. Trust me. And that was, that was throughout those Gospels. That was Jesus' message to those people. Do you believe me? Do you trust in me? It wasn't, you know, here's a guy by the pool. He's waiting for the pool. Oh, the pool will do this. Do you trust me? Never mind the people with their magic pool, do you trust me? That's superior faith. It's not, I mean, it produces an action and it will change our lives and it will affect the way we live. But it, in and of itself, if you understand what I'm saying, is just a quality. It's more than an intellectual acceptance of something, but it is, it is trust. And this is where I want to leave you. Before we close, I always do this. I always just, just a thought for the week. Just something to kind of keep in there and, and try to put this into practice, even though it's not really a practice. 
Try to commit something of value to God's care, to his trust, something important to you. We're used to giving God little things, things that we don't care if we lose. Right? You have a kid, and uh, they start to crawl. And I remember when Benjamin was just old enough to, he couldn't really walk, but he was old enough to scoot on his feet, holding on to something. Right? He's about a foot shorter than he is now. He's not here, so I can say that. <laughs> and uh, and you'd, you'd see the hands along the countertop. He was looking for something. So everything ended up getting pushed back just that far. Okay, it's safe now. You would go around looking for stuff. If you ever got something, we'd find it in the fridge. Because that, that was on his level. He could manipulate that and put it in the fridge or... Somewhere down low, we just look. Okay, now we'll just look down this low. But we kind of do that with our kids. We, we make sure the important stuff is pushed back because we don't trust them with it. So <clears throat> Benjamin got his license a little bit older. And uh, like there was the day that we let him go up to Minnesota by himself. That was a hard day. That was difficult. Then there was the day that we let Benjamin go up to Minnesota with our other three kids. All right, that's hard. I don't know if you've ever had that day where you let a kid ride with one of your other kids. That's a hard day. That's a trust issue. I'm giving my most valuable other three possessions to you, to your care. This is what I'm saying. Give something of importance to God that you could lose. This might not turn out the way I like it. That, that is trust. That's faith. That's passive. And we're going to talk more about what that entails uh, in the future. So we're going we're to quit there. And David, you can close. Please stand. <clears throat> Worthy of praise.